strength. Happy Mother's Day. Um, welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus in all. Our vision is welcome people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We are excited to announce a new way of connecting with all the members and guests. We 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 are, we are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect all online information about our church, giving the tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one place. When you scan our scan the QR code on the worship guide with your phone's camera, you can short link when clicked navigates to a web page with a list of every link you you would need concerning our church. If you are a guest today, welcome. We ask that you scan the QR code in our worship guide and click the link provided for the TVCHSV. Uh, I don't know what that says. Um, then click on the menu for, for first time guests. And this is a reminder, the nursery is open today, so if you have children from 2 to 5, you can drop them off in the nursery in the foyer. Um, at the Village Church, we believe the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and the mission of the church by scanning the QR link tree code and using the menu item titled TVC Giving. This will direct you to the link on our webpage, or you may mail the check to our address, which is... 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. There's a plate on the back table. Another reminder, for those interested in learning more about our church, please register for the Enter the Village class. A sign-up sheet is available at the Guest Information Center. That's the table you walk by at the front in over there. And on May 11th, we we will meet at 7 p.m. for corporate prayer at the church and via Zoom. The Zoom link will be sent out through Flockna. And there's going to be a meeting on May 24th after the service for all the women at the Village Church. Please attend that. This meeting will provide the opportunity to get to know the women's ministry at the Village, speak into how the women's ministry is formed, and hear opportunities to get involved and use your gifts. Whether you've never been to a women's ministry event or you've been to all of them, please come. Parent. Parents, if your child is ready to make a public profession of faith and would like to join the, our church, you can sign them up for the Into the Village class for students, which starts May 15th. The sign-up sheet is available at the Guest Information Center or contact Mr. Richard Goodson. We have a community service project scheduled for Saturday, May 21st, with the Lincoln Village Ministry. More details to follow. Thank you. Good morning. Let's just take a few moments um, to commune with the Lord individually and just still our hearts or ask him to um, still our hearts before we begin um, our, our time of singing. 
with me, if you are able, for our call to worship. It is taken from the song, Jesus' Name Above All Names. Please join with me where it notes congregation. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us. Blessed Redeemer, living word. Amen.
they wish they had or they don't have a mother in general so I think it's important that we come together and pray for those whether you want to come with your own burdens or you just want to sit in silence and pray with us that is encouraged <laughs> um, it's at seven o'clock on Wednesday at the building where you can join zoom and also um, if anybody wants to volunteer for a corporate prayer to lead um, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. I have topics planned out for the upcoming months. So if you're curious about that, please talk to me. And um, let's just pray, okay? Um, 
Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for um, the mothers in our lives, whether they are our actual mothers or the women who have stepped up to take on that role. Thank you for the Village Church and allowing us to come together and worship you and hear your truth. And I pray that today will be a blessing of a day for everyone and that you'll be with Pastor Alex as he preaches his sermon today. And I just thank you for being there for us and hearing our our pain even when we can't express it. faithful and you are good and you are our friend and you want goodness for us and I thank you for that. Thank you for being a God who wants goodness for us and wants healing for us and you don't want us to sit alone. You want us to reach out to you and I am so grateful that that's what you want. Amen. Day. And for those of you who've lost mothers recently or in the distant past, uh, share those griefs and memories with you. Uh, our confession of faith today is from Shorter Catechism. And the framers of the confession and catechism, uh, the questions and answers help us understand in our, with our head and with our heart uh, what. Scripture teaches, and today we're talking about the Holy Spirit, what the Scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit. So I'll read the question 30 and 31, and you respond with the answers. How does the Holy Spirit apply to us the redemption that Christ bought? Redemption Christ bought. What is our effective calling? It's the work of God's Spirit who can use us. We are sinful and miserable. He enlightens our minds, the knowledge of Christ, renews our wills. It's how He persuades and makes us able to receive Jesus Christ, who is freely offered to us in the Gospel. Amen. Scripture reading today is Galatians 5, 13 through 26. Oh, come back. Okay, go. All right, here we go. You, my sisters and brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. 
If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The word of the Lord.
Waymaker. Amen. You may be seated. If you are just now joining us and if you have your worship guide, I do want to go over some of the announcements from earlier. If you are a first-time guest, Inside the worship guide, you'll find a QR code there, and we would love for you to scan that and fill out our first-time guest card. Also on the back, there's a list of um, some of the lead servant team with their email address, just in case you want to reach them. Uh, also, uh, this Wednesday, we will have prayer service here in the church or over Zoom at 7 o'clock. And what else? Yes, and if you're interested in going through our Enter the Village class, we have a sign-up sheet out in the foyer on the information uh, desk. So uh, please uh, join me as we go to the Lord now in the prayer supplication. And happy Mother's Day as well. Father, I do want to pray uh, for the moms today. I thank you so much for them. I pray that each of them will enjoy their day today. And I pray um, also that they will know that their identity is not in motherhood that their identity is not in being a mom and their identity and security is not in the success of their kids or how well the kids behave and how well the kids perform in school. Their identity is in Christ. I pray for those who are grieving today because of a lost relationship with their mother or a strained relationship with their mother. I pray that you would minister to their grief and their hurt and their pain and, and for some, their anger. But I also pray, Lord, if there's time for reconciliation, I pray that you would make that happen in those strained relationships. And there are some, Lord, maybe here, maybe tuning in, who, who, who can't have kids. And a mom who wants to be a mom and can't have kids, I pray that you would minister to her. And then that, Lord, infertility is not her identity. That, too, is in Christ. So, Father, you are good, you are faithful, you are kind, you are loving. Even when we don't believe it, even when we can't see it or feel it, Lord, you're still true. And I'm so grateful that who you are as God is not dictated on my emotions or how we feel at the moment. You're going to be faithful because that's who you are. You're going to be good because it's who you are. You're going to be with us because it's who you are. So thank you. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for remaining true to your character. Thank you for, for being uh, a God who brings provisions for your people. Thank you for being a king who, who is still in control over his creation, even though sometimes we look out and we, we're like, man, where, where is God working? I don't see it. Because of all the brokenness and the injustice and the sin. 
the Lord and give us eyes to see the places in which you are bringing redemption, the places in which your kingdom is coming and has come. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean you're not working. And again, thank you that your work is not based upon our ability to see it or understand it. Again, you're infinite. We're not. There's just certain things we just can't see and won't see. But your word tells us you are working. Your word would not return to you void. So it is fulfilling the purpose for which you sent it. So thank you, Father, that you are always working. You never get tired. You never get weary. The only time you took a break was after you created the world. You rested on the seventh day. But now you're always on. Working and fighting for your people. So, Father, provide for us the things that we need. Not the things that we want, but the things that we need. Because everything we think we need is just a want. And sometimes what we need to hear from you is, no, my child, that's not good for you. Because the Father always knows best. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I read a blog post this week on HuffPost.com uh, by an author and pastor from California. The, the title of uh, the blog post is The Science of the Unforced Rhythms of Grace. The Science of the unforced rhythms of grace. Listen uh, to his words. He writes, over the past two decades, I have been studying both academically and properly the intersection of science and spirituality, by also being a percussionist for about 40 years. And one clear conclusion from this combination of experience is this. Life is best lived with the right rhythm. Life is best lived with the right rhythm. It's what drummers call being in the groove. Is that what y'all call it? Oh, she's not back here. Where's she at? Okay. It's what drummers call being in the groove. As a drummer, it's when you're feeling the rhythm so deep that you're, you're almost obligated to stay in it. Not too fast, nor too slow. In life, being in the groove is feeling the unforced rhythms of grace. It happens when you find the right rhythm of yes and no, of notes and space. And there's only one way to enter into this groove. I preached on it last week. It's communion with Jesus. It's having saving faith in him as both Savior and Lord. It's trusting him as both Redeemer and King. Communion with Jesus is the doorway to experiencing the unforced rhythms of grace. He puts you in the groove, but who, keep, who helps you stay in it? That's the question that we're going to answer today. Who helps you stay in the groove? The text today is uh, Galatians 5, verses 13 through 26. The title is the, the Rhythm of Dependency. The Rhythm of Dependency. And my one big point throughout this whole message today is this. Dependency upon the Holy Spirit helps God's children enjoy 
experiencing the unforced rhythms of grace. The Spirit is the one who keeps y'all in the groove. He's not too fast, nor is he too slow. He's just on time. Please pray with him for me. And Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the word, we need you to minister to our hearts and to our minds. Because if you don't move, preaching has no power apart from you. It doesn't. We can't change our hearts. We, we can't um, go inside and, and, and change what's there. Only you can do that. The word says that you are a deposit that guarantees our inheritance. Uh, your word, the word says that you are a helper. The word says that you are a counselor. The word says that you are with us to guide us into all truth and to remind us of the words of Christ. And so you, have a, you play a vital role in the life of all Christians, in the life of, of everyone who, who, who knows Christ and saving faith. And right now, you know what each of us need to hear. You know, and I pray that each of us will receive from this message the word that we need to receive today so that we can go back out and flourish as your son and sons and daughters of the king. I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. In John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And these words spoken by Christ is interpreted in verse 38 of that same chapter. It says, now he has said this about the spirit whom those who believe in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit has not been given because Jesus has not been glorified yet. But now he has been glorified, right? He died. He was resurrected. And he ascended into heaven. And the Holy Spirit has been given to, to all people who have saving faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in God's people supernaturally. As soon as you come to faith in Christ, the Spirit descends upon you. He enters inside of you. He is the gift that guarantees your inheritance to come. Your comforter, your helper, your counselor. He leads and guides you. He helps you understand the Bible. You know that, right? The Holy Spirit is what gives you insight into the scriptures. He is the one who is transforming you to look more like Christ. That's the work of the Spirit. So this means the Spirit is the object of your dependency if you're sons and daughters of the King. You're to depend upon him to help you enjoy the experience, enjoy experiencing the rhythms of grace. And so the, the, the reverse of that is true. Without the Spirit, you cannot enjoy grace. You can't enjoy it without his help. But it's not that simple, is it? Oh, I wish it was simple. You know why it's not simple? Think about it like this. Your body is a house, or it can be an apartment, whichever analogy you want to choose. And in this house, two roommates live there. They live in your house. One roommate has always lived there. The second resident moved in after you came to faith in Christ. And these, these two residents, they're the oddest of all roommates. 
They don't get along. They're not homies. They're not besties. They don't even like each other. They oppose each other. They even have contrary desires. So who are these two roommates living inside of you? The Holy Spirit and the flesh. The flesh is just another name for sinful nature. The old person. The, the, uh, the being in the first Adam. Or, or, or it's you before Christ came and saved you. Or as J.B. Phillips calls it, our lower, lower nature. One commentator says, the flesh in Galatians 5 denotes that self-regarding element in human nature, which has been corrupted at the source with its appetites and natural tendencies. But Pastor Alex, how can this be true? I thought Jesus freed me from the bondage of sin, right? I thought Jesus set me free from sin's control and power. So, so, so what do you mean I have this roommate living in me called the flesh? Saints, it is true. Jesus has given you complete forgiveness of all your sins. He has given you complete freedom. But the flesh has not been completely eradicated. It has, it has not been completely removed from your house. It remains. And it will remain until Christ comes back, until you are glorified. And that won't happen until the second coming. Do you believe this? Do you accept this? See, this is the, the reason why dependency upon the spirit is complex and hard and at times confusing. For the flesh wants you to depend on it. Please know that. The flesh wants to pull you towards itself. It wants you to depend upon it in every situation, in every circumstance, in every conflict, in every relationship, in every area of your life. Even, if you, even as you seek to do life in this church, the flesh desires for you to depend on it to do it. And if you depend upon the flesh to do life here, it's going to be messy. The Holy Spirit in the flesh lives inside of all Christians as roommates. Both want to be the object of your dependency. So right now at this moment, if you are a Christian, the spirit and the flesh are fighting each other inside of you. They're at war over who is going to be the object of your dependency. So which roommate has you dependent on this week? When you got up this morning, who, did you, who are you dependent on? The spirit or the flesh? TVC saints, the object of your dependency is important. And you, why, you may ask? Because the object determines how you experience the unforced rhythms of grace. Depending upon the flesh leads to a different experience than depending upon the Holy Spirit. i give you an example. Take your freedom in Christ. Freedom, this freedom is a rhythm of grace. All God's Christians, all God's kids can experience. It's given to you, not earned. Look at verse 13. Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. This means God himself initiates this call. He invites sinful people to live and get to receive this freedom from his son. But the way you experience this freedom as Christians is based upon the, the object of your dependency. 
Again, look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What does Paul mean by opportunity? That Greek term that's translated opportunity is used in military context as a base of operations. And according to freedictionary.com, a base of operations is an area or facility by which a military force begins its offensive operations, to which it falls back in case of reverse, and which supply facilities are organized. So with that definition in mind, the Apostle Paul doesn't want the flesh to be your base of operations. Doesn't want that to be the way you do life. It can't be your headquarters. It can't be central office. It can't be the object you depend upon. It can't be the starting place. So remember, the flesh is one of your roommates that lives inside of you. This means the flesh cannot live in a master bedroom. Okay? Or he can't sleep in the bed in your one-bedroom apartment. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And here's why. The flesh always lead you down an unhealthy path. Always. But pastor, it feels good. I I know it probably feels good, but it ain't going to end good usually. See, it influences you to mishandle the rhythms of grace. This is is Paul's point in verse 17. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want. I know that verse can be a little confusing because who keep, who's keeping you from doing what you want? Is it the spirit or the flesh? I read a journal, I read a journal article this week written by a retired Presbyterian minister, and it's on this verse, Galatians 5.17. He believes the flesh keeps Christians from doing what they want to do. It's the flesh, not the spirit. And I, and I agree with this interpretation. He views the part about the, the spirit in verse 17 as a parenthesis. Like it's, it's blocked off. So if you remove the middle section of verse 17, it will read this way. For the desires of the spirit are for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit in order to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's supposed to be an amen statement. I don't want to pull out the sign. The pronoun you is referring to all the Galatian Christians who are in union with Christ, who have been born again, who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. It refers to each of you if you have faith in Christ. And the things that you want to do are the things of God. That's what he's talking about. The things that you want to do is you want to depend upon the Spirit. But the flesh doesn't want you to do that as a believer. It doesn't want you to depend upon the Spirit. It seeks to draw you away from Christ and his heart. Listen to these words from this retired minister. He says, Galatians 5.17 shows that the flesh's deep opposition is to what the Galatians have become in Christ. He hates what they have become. And it sets itself up against everything they now are and want to be as men and women of the Spirit. That's what's happening inside of you. And so when it comes to your freedom in Christ, The flesh wants to exploit it. The flesh wants you to misuse the freedom. And in Galatians chapter 5, 
the Apostle Paul provides two ways the flesh leads Christians to misuse their freedom in Christ. First way is legalism. Legalism. So what does that mean, Pastor? Legalism is when you use God's word, obedience to God's word, as a means to earn his favor. That's legalism. And Paul talks about this in in verse 1. He says, For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Submitting again to the yoke of slavery, again, is you using good works as a means to earn your righteousness and to earn your salvation before God. It's you presenting to God your resume. Look what I did. Look at how good I am. In the flesh, it, it tricks you into trusting your own performance and productivity. Who struggles with that? If I'm performing well, if I'm producing well, then God loves and likes me. And the reverse of that will also be true. If I'm not performing well, if I'm not producing well, then it means God must be displeased with me. That's what legalism does to you. You start placing all your hope and and all your peace in your goodness, in your morality, in your self-righteousness. That's legalism. And you can use your freedom in Christ to go that route. And it leads you to become self-centered and self-sufficient. This is what legalism does to you. It turns your whole life into a living Facebook post. So everyone can see how good of a person you are. See how much I serve in the church? You see? You see how well I fight for justice? You see, I tithe and, and give to the church at least 10% of what I get. You see how much theology I know? See how much I know the Bible? You see what kind of parent I am? See what kind of spouse I am? You see what kind of employee I am? You see how good of an American citizen I am? Legalism isn't freedom. It's slavery. I mean, it's a yoke on your shoulders. And it drains you. It fatigues you. And legalism, it draws you away from the finished work of Christ to focus on your own works. And you know what else it does to you? Then it feeds you to the fear and praise of man. Because that's what you're depending upon. Notice I said feed you. Because that stuff eats you away at you from the inside out. Because when they love you, you feel great. When they criticize you, it kills you. That's slavery. That's not freedom. That's slavery. Legalism. Do not use your freedom as a means to live a legalistic life before God. Because you don't have to. Christ's work is enough. Second, licentiousness is a way to put your freedom in Christ to wrong use. This is what Paul talks about in verse 13. Look at, uh, this, look at what the, the message Bible says. It's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do what you want and to destroy your freedom. The New English Bible says, do not turn your freedom 
than to license for your lower, lower, lower nature. See, the flesh can deceive you to think freedom in Christ means I get to live with no restraints, no boundaries, no limitations, no accountability. And, and you know what? The number one confession that the, 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 the spirit, the flesh gives you here. Well, I'm, I don't live out of law. I live under grace. If that means grace means you can do what you want to do. No, nah, you're not really living by grace. That's not grace. That's just called you want to do what you want to do. So, the, so the, here, the flesh, you live a self-indulgent life. And for a time, that may feel good. And for a season, you may live it up. But soon and very soon, you're going to kind of realize you're not really free here either. Just like legalism, licentiousness isn't freedom. It's slavery as well. You become a slave to immoral living, various addictions, unchecked passions, pleasures, and vices. Listen, you don't control the desires of the flesh. They control you. You're not in control. You think you're in control. But you're not. Look at verses 19 through 21. In these verses, the Apostle Paul gives us a list of the works of the flesh. It's not a complete list. He's only given us a sample in order to show us what depending on the flesh can look like in your life. And these works of the flesh can be divided into four categories. I borrowed three categories from a seminary professor in Kentucky. And the first category is what he calls sexual vices. It includes sexual immorality, impurity, and decency. And here it includes all kinds of sexual sins and addictions are included here. That's one vice. The second category is what he calls false worship, idolatry, and sorcery. Idol worship is anyone or anything you substitute for Jesus. It don't mean you got to carve out a wooden statue. It's just anything you put before Jesus, that's your God. It could be anything. And as one theologian says, our heart is an idol factory. It produces idols. Idolatry is false worship. Sorcery is basically witchcraft. The third category is what he calls the fracturing of social and communal relationships. I love this. It includes enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of rage, rivalry, envy, division, and, and factions. Each of these categories, each of these behaviors will hinder and destroy your relationships. Do these in relationships and you won't have any friends. Do this in your marriage, you'll be mad long. These things can blow up any church, any family, any group, any sports team. And the fourth category comes from an English theologian. He calls it drink, and, 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 and it's not red Kool-Aid, okay? This is an adult beverage. It's alcohol and liquor is what he's talking about. And he calls it drunkenness and orgies. And drunkenness means you just drink too much, too much wine, too much uh, Hennessy, too much Patron. You drink too much of it. And orgies are just you just party too much. Wild parties, bar hopping, those, that's what orgies mean. And so I hope you're able to see the unhealthiness that the, that the flesh can do to you, the unhealthiness it can bring into your life when you depend upon it. 
The works might feel good, but they're not good. They're not your friends. And the works of the flesh are vices, not virtues. Vices that make you self-centered and self-indulgent. And it will lead you to abuse your freedom in Christ, either through legalism or licentiousness. And those are not spiritual gifts, okay? They're not. How y'all feeling right now? You can, this is congregation participation. Like, how are you feeling right now? This is a, it's an EQ check, emotional intelligence check. How are you feeling? I know it's a lot of information. Are you like standing in front of the fire hydrant? Are you hopeful or are you hopeless? Do you feel free or enslaved? Do you feel convicted or do you feel beat up? Beloved, the flesh doesn't have to be the object of your dependency. You have a choice. There's another object. Like the flesh, he lives inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. The Spirit opposes the flesh. He battles the flesh on your behalf. I mean, you don't wage war alone. Amen. Have you ever felt torn on the inside? That's the war. Have you ever felt like you've been pulled from many different directions? That's the spirit in the flesh, head to head. That's why you feel like you have this internal struggle. Or is it just me? Maybe I'm the only one who deals with this. But there is hope. Dependency upon the spirit gives you victory over the flesh. It does. Dependent on him, that's your victory. Look at verse 16. Paul says, this is what I mean. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The New English Bible says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And in verse 25, Paul says, if you live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, in those two verses, he, he gives us indicatives and imperatives. Those are like Greek terms. And, but when he talks about um, what God has done for us, that's an indicative. When he talks about what God requires of us, that's an imperative. You see, it has been granted to you by God that, that you live by the Spirit. That has been done for you because God is the one who placed the Spirit in us. That's an indicative. And since the Spirit lives in us, we are called to walk by him. That's an imperative. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. For he's the one who is going to give you victory over your flesh struggles. Because please know, you're going to struggle with those things. You're going to struggle with legalism. You're going to struggle with licentiousness. We all struggle with those. You don't have to live in them, but you will struggle with them. If you say you won't, then you do not understand yourself very well. Because just because you're not struggling now, doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with it later. You just haven't been put in that situation yet. But we do. So what does it mean to continue to walk in the Spirit? And, and how do we keep in step with him? I love these words from F.F. F. Bruce uh, in his commentary on Galatians. He says, walking by the Spirit is the outward, outward manifestation in action and speech by, of living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit is the root. Walking by the Spirit is the fruit, and that fruit is nothing less than the practical reproduction 
of the character and therefore the conduct of Christ in the lives of his people. That's what it is. That is the Jesus molding and shaping you more into his image. That's what the spirit is doing for you. He's not transforming you more into the image of yourself. Are your favorite celebrity Christian? Are your favorite celebrity pastor or Bible study leader? He's transforming you into the image of Jesus. That's what he's doing. And, and this fruit is listed in verses 22 through 23. And Paul calls this list the fruit of the spirit. This is what the spirit produces in believers as he transforms them more and more like Jesus in word, thought, and deed. That's what he's doing. And good news is you don't transform yourself. It's something that is being done to you and for you. This list is made up of nine Christ-like virtues. And they're like attitudes that you, uh, that you have towards God, other people, and self. Look at this list. Love, joy, and peace are your attitudes towards God. Patience and kindness and goodness, that's your attitude towards other people. Faithfulness and gentleness and self-control are your attitudes towards yourself. You keep in step with the Spirit by putting these Christ-like virtues into practice in your daily life. They become part of your lifestyle. Let me put it this way. The spirit is in the process of redecorating your man cave. Okay? With these nine, nine Christ-like virtues, he's going to redecorate your man cave with them. But in the process, he's going to throw out the trash. And that's the works of the flesh. They got to go. They got to go. And that is what's happening inside your heart and inside your soul. You're being redecorated. And, and guess what? You don't have to fight it. Just let the Spirit do his job. This means the Spirit leads you to experience redemption, allows you to experience freedom in Christ as liberation, not legalism or licentiousness. Okay? Only the Spirit does that. He leads you to experience freedom in Christ as liberation, not legalism or licentiousness. And what can this liberation look like in real life and in real time? Paul tells us in verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. The Spirit gives you, as a Christian, an opportunity to use your freedom in Christ to love your neighbor as yourself. How about that? He didn't say go produce anything. Love other people as yourself. And think about that. You have the liberty to serve and love other Christians, 
other people, people who are like you, people who are different than you, the same way Jesus loves and serves you. How does Jesus love and serve you? How does he do it? You won't be a Christian if he didn't love and serve you this way. He died for you. He gave up his life for you. And think about this. He did this when you were his enemy. You weren't his friend when he died for you. You weren't his friend when he served you this way. You weren't his friend when he laid down his life and took that beating. You weren't his friend when those nails went through his hands and feet. But he did that out of love for enemies. So enemies can be friends. So enemies can be adopted as sons and daughters. That's the way Christ has loved, loved and served you. And you who are called by his name are supposed to go out and do the same. And you can't do that apart from the spirit. But the flesh is going to allow you to love someone like that? Heck no. You're like, no, 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 I can't love that person. No. But if the spirit's moving in you and you are prayerfully praying for the spirit, he will create in you empathy. He will give you compassion. He will give you mercy. He will help you to see the people you come in contact with as actual people created in his image. He will even help you be able to disagree with people without de- dehumanizing them in the process. Think the flesh can help you to do that? No, sir. Think politics can help you to do that? No way. As Christians, we have the power to love the least of these living in us, and, and yet we don't do it. But we think reading a book, going to a conference, voting a certain way, letting certain policies in place is going to help us to do it. If the Spirit ain't going to do it, you ain't going to do it. You already have the power living in you. But have you asked him for help? That takes humility. Have you asked him for help? And we at the Village Church, we can do the same thing towards one another. We can use our freedom in Christ to love and serve one another. When the Spirit is leading us as a corporate body, we can love and serve one another sacrificially without behaving like wild animals. Okay? Tearing each other apart with our tongues and our actions and our parking lot conversations when conflict and issues arise. When the Spirit is really moving in us as a corporate body and we're depending upon him, the DNA of our church won't be what Paul talks about in verses 15 and 26. Look at these verses. He says, if you bite and devour one another, that's like wild animals, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. In verse 26 he says, let us not be conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. All of that is from the results. Of, that's what the flesh leads to when you have disagreements and conflicts. That's what the flesh will lead us to. But if you depend upon the spirit, you're going to listen first and talk last, less. You're going to listen to understand, to be understood in order to give a comeback. That's what the spirit does. And finally, the spirit gives you the opportunity to use your freedom in Christ to daily crucify the flesh. What does that mean, Pastor Allen? I thought the flesh was already crucified. 
Yes, it has. Remember, he still lives in you. This means you have the liberty to tell the flesh no. You don't have to give in. You can tell the flesh no through the spirit. If you have, for you have been liberated from the power of the flesh through Jesus Christ. And now through the power of the spirit, you don't have to make a practice of living in the fruits of the flesh. You struggle with them, but you don't live in them. Look at verse 24. Paul says, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, how does the spirit help you crucify the flesh and its desires and passions daily? He does it through conviction that leads to repentance. I thought I was going to give you something to do, didn't you? You want to crucify those desires every day? Then you need to repent more. When the spirit, because the spirit, the flesh condemns you, the spirit convicts you. And he always convicts you to repentance. He does it through meditation that leads you to preach the truth to yourself. Like you have this right here. When you're struggling with the decision and you're, you're, you don't know what to do, do you, pre, do you meditate on the word and do you preach the truth to yourself to combat those negative and toxic thoughts from the, from the flesh and from the enemy? That's how the Spirit does it. He uses the word with you. So you have to learn. Like if this is the only time you're receiving truth, then I feel sorry for you. This is just, I'm with you 30 minutes of that week up here. This is with you every day. Every day. You've got to preach the truth to yourself in this battle, in this warfare. The Spirit also does it through community that leads to healthy accountability. You can't do this by yourself. You need other Christians. To lovingly hold one another accountable. He also does it through grace that leads you to forgive yourself. Some of you are your own worst critic. You're so hard on yourself. Like, Jesus doesn't need you to get up on the cross with him. Okay? Like, like, like your, blood ain't, your blood ain't good enough. Okay? Give yourself grace, man. You beat yourself up. And you don't know how to, you have no joy. But you got to learn the, the same grace you give other people, you got to give it to yourself and forgive yourself. Some of you have a hard time doing that. But when you live it in the spirit, he'll help you forgive yourself. He will. Jesus says in John 6.33, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So if you want to, if you can't, don't take anything else from this sermon, memorize this verse. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And in the Greek, that means no help at all. I came across a 
um, a Cherokee legend. That's what they call it this week. And the legend is a conversation between a grandfather and his young grandson. It says, once an old man and his grandson were walking through the woods when the grandfather turned to the young man and said, young one, inside of us all there is a battle raging between two wolves. You have felt it when even in your young years, and I have felt it all my life. One of the wolves is evil. He is anger, envy, greed, regret, arrogance, resentment, lies, hatred, and ego. The other is good. He is love and joy, peace and hope, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, compassion, truth, and faith. Everyone has this battle going on inside of them. And they walked a little further in silence until the young boy stopped and, and asked, Grandfather, which wolf will win? The wise man said, the one you feed. The one you feed. So which wolf are you feeding? The spirit or the flesh? Which are you dependent upon? The flesh or the spirit? Let us pray. Father, you're, you're good. Even in this tension that we feel within, all hope is not lost. So help us this week to feed the Spirit, to walk in and depend upon him as we do life and navigate this world and the space that we live in, in our spheres of influence. Help us to depend upon him. Help us to be able to hear and discern his voice in the midst of the internal noise. Help us to be able to discern you know, his leading and his guiding. And so, Holy Spirit, be with us. Go with us. You are the third person within the Godhead, our advocate, our counselor, the same power that came at Pentecost in Acts 2, the same power living with us. You haven't, you haven't lost any of your power. You still got it. So help us be more sensitive to it. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Will you please stand, saints, as we close our service?
peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ he who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it let all of God's people say amen please greet one another saints